The following program is brought to you by the Tennessee Broadband Association. Lead Tennessee Radio, conversations with the leaders moving our state forward. We look at the issues shaping Tennessee's future, rural development, public policy, broadband, health care, and other topics impacting our communities. And now, here's your host of Lead Tennessee Radio, Lavoie Knowles. Hello, I'm Lavoie Knowles, the Executive Director of the Tennessee Broadband Association. This special episode of Lead Tennessee Radio is being recorded as our state and nation respond to the COVID-19 pandemic. For our first several episodes, we interviewed leaders in the state, House, and Senate. But now we're shifting our focus to those men and women who are leading the efforts to extend broadband to the unserved areas of our state. Our member companies are on the front lines of connecting the unconnected, and their CEOs are leaders not only at their companies, but also in their communities and in the broadband industry at large as well. Today, I'm pleased to continue this series of Lead Tennessee Radio with Jonathan West. Jonathan is the CEO of Twin Lakes uh, Telephone Cooperative in Gainesboro, Tennessee. Twin Lakes serves over 30,000 customers across several Middle Tennessee counties. Thank you for joining us today, Jonathan. Thank you, LaVoy. I'm glad to be here and uh, you know, look forward to having a good conversation about everything that's going on. Uh, let's begin by talking about how your operation has been impacted by the uh, coronavirus pandemic. What kind of adjustments have you had to make to continue serving your customers? Well, LaVoy, I, I tell you, as this has gone on, the, uh, the adjustments have been uh, frequent and growing in uh, severity as time progresses. You know, we started out not really knowing what this thing looked like, so we, we, we laid it out in four phases. Uh, we, we established that early on, that we felt like there would be stages, and we thought it would take quite a bit of time to get from stage one to, to our stage four, but the reality is we got to stage four very quickly, and for us, that meant you know, full PPE gear uh, for our service technicians, ops techs that are out there in the field. As, as you know, and as I suspect most of the people listening know, uh, we're considered an essential service, a critical infrastructure from the Homeland Security's perspective and, and from people that are just stuck in their homes and their businesses that are working remotely. They know that telecom is a very important part of what they do and the broadband services that are provided. So we have to stay out there. We have to continue to support, provide, and install the various services. So the first thing we think of is the health and safety of our employees, right? So how do we, how do we keep our customers connected and keep our employees safe while doing it? So a lot of those first things was just procuring the, the PPE. I mean, it's been a discussion all across the country, but, but finding the mask, finding the hand sanitizer, finding the gloves and the boots and the, the suits that are necessary in certain situations. And so just making sure that the first thing we thought of is how do we keep our people safe? And we thought PPE right off the top of the bat. Uh, then we kind of moved into other thoughts about, you know, closing the office uh, to, to traffic, to foot traffic. And, and we did that early. We actually closed our lobbies very soon. We closed our drive-throughs. Uh, and, and we did that primarily to conserve PPE and to keep our employees safe. So, you know, the amount of PPE we had, we wanted to dedicate it to those that were out there that there's really no other way to do their job except to go to the homes and businesses and, and do everything else we could. So we, uh, we followed the pledge from the FCC and we waived uh, late fees. We didn't disconnect anybody because they hadn't paid because with the offices closed, we stayed on the phone. Uh, uh, we chat, we email, we, 
We do phone conversations. So we've supported everyone remotely. Uh, we've mailed out a lot of CPE. We've mailed things that we could. But we closed those offices, kept the techs, uh, you know, fully geared up, making sure they were aware of, of how to be safe and what it takes to be safe. But uh, again, we, we just tried to be as flexible with our customers as possible while maintaining and supporting them. We've got today about 48 employees that are uh, working in a normal way. They report from home, but they go to offices, they go to businesses. About 90 of our employees are working from home. And so a vast majority of our people are at home. Now, as the pandemic starts to, I don't want to say wind down. I don't know that that's the right word, but I know we're going into a different phase across the country and trying to start businesses back up. We're now in the process of evaluating bringing those people back in. And how do we, how do we open the lobbies back up? And the drive-thrus will open very shortly. And, and then other things, we, we've got a, basically a four-stage approach to coming back to work. And so lots of changes, uh, you know, lots of things changed and lots of things stayed the same. Customers were number one on making sure they're served, but making sure our employees were safe. Uh, we're right there beside that. And then we've just made a lot of adjustments for different pay types. And we actually pay our customers if they'll pay online. And so there's just uh, things to encourage this, uh, this new normal. Absolutely. It's definitely a new environment. And it sounds like you're doing everything you can to, number one, keep your employees safe, and number two, keep your um, customers connected. And that's that's very important. I think if not that anybody ever questioned it, but if anybody ever did question uh, telecom employees being essential uh, to the to the con- economy, I think now would can totally convince anyone that our industry is definitely essential to the economy and to the study, study of, um, of, of affairs. Yeah. And, boy, you know, I want to add to that just a little bit. I mean, we, at the same time, you know, we reached out to all of our county offices and offered them conferencing services free of charge so they could hold city council meetings, county commission meetings uh, online, so to speak, in a format that they were comfortable with. We, we offered free Internet to children that did not have Internet at home. If the school was providing them a device so that they could access the curriculum. Uh, we provided free internet service uh, through the end of the school year for those that didn't have it. So, you know, it's not only just the normal customers and not only just, you know, taking care of our employees, but also some of those that were put in a precarious situation because of this, we did what we could to help them. Well, that's, that's very commendable because um, you're doing what you should be doing because you are a huge part of the community community always have been and you continue to be and so you're it, it should be committed on the activities you're doing and making sure everybody's taken care of changing directions slightly uh this has been a particularly active severe weather season and your communities have been really impacted significantly uh several deaths occurred and recently in the tornadoes and tell us a little bit about how you handle that and how uh how it stands today well, uh, the good news is the network is, is back to normal. Uh, it's all been repaired. Um, we, were, we were able to actually get that done over about a seven, eight-day time period. We were substantially restored. But uh, as you know, some of the listeners will be aware as well, we serve uh, a good portion of Putnam County. And Putnam County was very devastated, uh, not just in I mean the long Lost life was tremendous and unprecedented for our area, but at the same time, you know, just as so many things were destroyed, 
uh, you know, people's lives change forever. And, uh, you know, we did everything we could to keep people connected, much like we are during the, the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. But, you know, at the same time, we tried to do more than just connect customers. We, uh, we volunteered. We shut down our offices. We took half of our employees that were not working on critical things out in the community. People that, you know, might have been in departments that are vital, but on that particular day, they're their need was more out there helping the community. So we let half of our workforce that's not in plant operations go out and volunteer, you know, help people get their lives back together and help them any way they could. Uh, some days that was passing out meals and some days that was helping organize volunteers. But we took our event trailer out, let the volunteer organization use it kind of as a home base because the PA system and community Wi-Fi and has a little stage and has heating and cooling. And so uh, we let them use that and we, we helped man that office while it was out there. And uh, I don't know, it's just, uh, it's devastating to see those things. It's heartbreaking to see those things, but it's also good to see communities come together to help each other. Um, I mean, really that's all you can do at that point. You can't undo what the tornado has done and the damage that it, and the impact that it's had, but you can't help the people. And that's kind of, that was right. our number one uh, objective at that time. Right. Absolutely. Uh, Twin Lakes recently received a grant from the state of Tennessee's broadband accessibility program. The grant was for $1.4 million, of which you will match probably more than 50% to serve parts of Overton and Fentress counties. Tell us a little bit about that project and what it will involve. Uh, that's a very important project for us. All projects are important, right? And, uh, I don't want to put one above the others, but uh, this one has a special place in our heart because it is the last area in our cooperative footprint that was not fiber to the home. And so we had been working for a, for a long time to get fiber in front of all of our members. And with this grant, uh, we're able to complete that project. So our hope is that a little less than 12 months from now, about 11 months from now, uh, we will have fiber in front of every single member that we serve. And so this Overton, it's a Crawford community, um, uh, Sandy area, Davidson community, Twenton, Wilder. For those that are in that area, they, they know what I'm talking about. But that's the general vicinity that this is. It's, it's some of the toughest terrain that we serve and some of the lowest density that we serve. But uh, we were thrilled to get the grant uh, and just excited to be able to take that grant, leverage it, uh, you know, we're getting $1.4 million of which we are extremely appreciative of, but we'll put in six and a half million dollars with that uh, yeah. in order to make the project come to fruition. It's, it's a much bigger project than 1.4 and th there's a required matching component, but for this particular one, we, we just, we're really leveraging that up uh, because it's, we really want to get every member served. Uh, we'd like to get it done by the end of this year. And so, you know, how the virus and tornadoes and other things that have an impact on, on projects and construction scheduling, our goal is to get on with it as quick as possible and get this done. So we're just excited to get those people served and to, and to call the, the big project for our entire cooperative complete. That is fantastic. And actually, it's incredible that you're going to have all your members, all your customers have the fiber to home ability the next next 12 months. That's un unreal. Un unfathomable in, in many, many parts of the country. And there's not many companies can say that across the nation. And, 
And um, folks in your area should be very appreciative for the work you're doing and for the money you're spending uh, into bringing bringing them uh, modern technology. It's just unreal. That that's fantastic. I, I know that uh, you've got lots of uh, um, well several partnerships that you've uh, been involved with and putting together and and help put together. And uh, some of those have been on the on the private uh, private public partnership mode, like the the grant program that you partnered with the state of Tennessee on. Um, tell, can you tell us a little bit about the other projects you've got going that that do involve partnerships? I know that was part of the broadband accessibility effort when we passed the bill was to encourage partnerships across across uh, company lines, and you've taken this to a new level. I, I, I just can't believe what you've been able to do in a short period of time. Could you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, sure. So kind of like you alluded, I mean, first and foremost, we wanted to make sure our membership was served, right? That's the, the fundamental mission right. of the cooperative is to serve those members. And, uh, and we've done that. And we're in the process of finishing that up. But we also recognize that the Tennesseans that we serve are not that different than the Tennesseans that are without broadbands across the state. And so we recognize working with some of our partners, uh, different pockets across the state where the need was greater. Uh, there are just widespread areas that did not have any kind of broadband service. And if they had any at all, uh, it wouldn't qualify by the definition of broadband today. And so uh, we've worked, uh, Volunteer Energy specifically started working with them almost two years ago on some areas in, in Bradley County. That's expanding today and in parts of Meg. And Ray, and they're looking at a lot of their footprint to, to bring broadband. And they've applied for ECD grants and been successful in getting those. They've applied for ARC grants. They've, they've done a lot of different things to also help their membership in an area that's not their traditional product, but they still have that desire to, do, to bring what the needs of the members are to make sure they're not, they're not challenged from a technology perspective either. So we work with volunteer on that where they build the fiber, but we do uh, we provide support. We provide the electronic components, the provisioning, the regulatory you know, we, we kind of run the business side for them and they own the physical outside plant, which works great because that's what we're accustomed to doing. And they're, they're in the pole line business. They already have poles and anchors and guys and substations and, and different things that are needed to deploy a broadband network. So we just leverage their resources. We leverage our resources and then we look for grant funds that are about to help you know, filling the gaps all across the state of Tennessee. So we've been successful in doing that. Uh, we took that kind of that model and that success and applied it uh, to another company called uh, Trilight Communications that uh, is owned by some of the cooperatives in the state of Tennessee jointly. And we go to electric co-ops and we work with them uh, to recreate that model that we had with Volunteer Energy Cooperative. And we're doing that today with Appalachian Electric in East Tennessee and um, in, in parts of Jefferson County and Granger County and Hamlin County and those uh, severe counties. So some of those areas in East Tennessee, same kind of project, and they're moving at light speed. They've also won ECD grants and have applied for others. And uh, they're, they're building a lot of fiber very quickly and we're turning up a lot of customers up there every week. And uh, it's exciting. You know, it's, it's a great feeling to see Twin Lakes fully served like we want it to be so we can truly serve our members. And at the same time as that project is kind of, coming closer to a conclusion. We're ramping up some of these other projects so we can take what we've learned and help other Tennesseans enjoy the same level of connections that our members have. 
Right. Well, Twin Lakes has always been very progressive, but you, I think you and the board currently are taking it to, to a new level, and we appreciate your, your efforts and, and your uh, working with the other companies. I think that this is exactly what the Broadband Accessibility Fund was hoping to do, see partnerships across company lines and and let folks do what they can do best. Like in your case, you do the um, provide the service. Uh, the electric co-ops can provide the network, and I think that's fantastic. That's, that's great. That's what it was meant to be. And moving to more of your fiber network, you've kind of answered this part. You, you're almost fiber to the home already in your entire footprint. And I, and I know we did a little study a, a year or so ago about how much the Tennessee Broadband members were going to deploy or invest in the next three years, not uh, 2020, 21, and 22. And that was a, a really significant number, like $400 million. It sounds like you may be on actually on the peak and maybe starting to level off your investment. Is is that so, or are you still investing a lot of money? Well, I mean, this year is going to be a, a big year, right, for obvious reasons, because we're still trying to to complete the project. Uh, so this year will be, it won't be the peak, but it, it, there's a lot of investment going in. All in, uh, by the end of the year, we will have spent about $240 million. Um, 125 or so of that is dedicated just on fiber itself. But the rest of that's the other infrastructure that supports it, the buildings, the grounds, the poles that were already there. You know, a lot of uh, those other components that have to be there in order to make this network work. So when it's all said and done, we're sitting at about $240 million that has been invested all in to, to provide services throughout the Upper Cumberland region that we serve a lot of. And so it's, it is not, it's not for the faint of heart. It's, uh, it's something that's got to be done. And I commend our board for their willingness to, to do what's right. You know, it's, uh, it, it makes sense financially, but it really makes sense from a community investment standpoint, taking care of those members, making sure they have what they need. Uh, you know, a lot of our area is very rural. And, uh, you know, sometimes there's a misconception across the country that rural equates to disconnected or, or you know, not, not up with the times. And so, Having the, the fiber optic connectivity, having gig service available to every single house, you know, it gives people the opportunity to leverage that and to create businesses that have e-commerce, distance learning, telemedicine, you know, everything that's going on in the world around us. We, we didn't know what we were building and, and all the uses that it would have. But today, a lot of those are coming to light and I think people are using them more than ever. But, uh, but you know, at the same time, We've invested a lot. We'll continue to invest a lot. And one thing that most people may not recognize, that there's a lot of maintenance involved, right? So electronic components, uh, just like your cell phone, you know, you may get a new one every few years. Well, we have the same type of electronics providing services on each end. So those have to be updated. Uh, services constantly have to be evaluated, the equipment in your home. So it's a never-ending project, but the, the big stuff that people see outside, the, the tearing up of the yards, the setting the poles, a lot of that's going to be behind us, and we're we're excited to be at that point. Right. It it uh, it's exciting to see you uh, progress the way you have in the in in this effort. It's been a big effort. Two hundred forty million dollars is a big is a big ticket item. I don't care what size company you are, and uh, you've come a long way. And you may not be there yet, but you can see the light in the tunnel. Yeah, we're close. We're close. <laughs> uh, like a circle back a bit. A bit um, 
uh, and talk about and finally talk about the crisis we find ourselves in, both in a, as a state and a nation. It's really a multifaceted crisis. It's a healthcare crisis first and foremost, but it's also an education crisis, a jobs crisis, and a financial crisis, unlike anything that we've seen in our lifetimes. And again, I hope we never see it again. Uh, what does this do to the urgency that you see to connect all Tennesseans to some sort of reliable broadband network? Well, the way you know, you look through that list. I mean, you said a healthcare crisis, education crisis, jobs crisis, financial crisis. Agree, and I don't think you'll find anyone in the country that's that's come outside in the last forty-five days that wouldn't agree with all those things. And uh, but every one of those, if you look through them one at a time, every one of them have a common link, and I believe that's broadband. Uh, you know, when you're looking at a healthcare crisis, you know they're wanting to. You know, telemedicine has taken unprecedented steps in the last 45 days over the way that's going to be accepted and Medicare and funded and insurance. And so you don't need to go to the doctor for a lot of things physically because you're just exposing yourself and others to even more illnesses. So it makes a lot of sense. And you don't, if you're going to the doctor, you don't feel good, right? That's the whole idea, you know? So (laughs) why go? if you can do it at home. And I think as technology progresses, more and more sensors, more and more testing apparatus that can be sent to a home will keep you from having to go other places. But the key to all that is being able to get real-time feedback for the doctor so that they can tell what it is that's truly wrong with you. And so I think video conferencing has come a long way. Camera quality has come a long way. But broadband requires those things to connect to each other. So that's on the healthcare front. I think that's going to be critical to combat this COVID-19 pandemic and also just to, to help with some general ailments that have always been there and probably always will be, there's an opportunity to use telemedicine. Education, we talked about that earlier. I mean, I, I've got three small kids at home. And so last night we were having a big Zoom meeting with all the first grade class, you know, and so uh, sitting on iPads, sitting at home, home using different devices and going through a, going through a lesson and all that requires broadband. Uh, and we recognize that that's one of the reasons we were giving away internet service to those that didn't have it is because you're going to be out of school for 60 days. You know, you're going to need some connectivity to learn. And, and you know, even when this is all over, tele, you know, distance learning and, and using online learning protocols, that's been growing over the last several years. I mean, for the last 20 years, that's been growing. And it's going to steadily grow because it cuts down on some costs. It gives people opportunities that they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and, you know, just the research side of that, you know, take out the formal education of K-12 or post-secondary and just talk about when people are at home trying to figure out how to fix their lawnmower or how to plant a shrub or how to do, you know, whatever the case may be, the first thing most people do is they pull up a YouTube video. Technology enables people to learn every single day, not just formal education, but the informal education that helps us all grow better each day and be more efficient at what we do. And of course, like I say, the last two items, jobs and financial crisis, there are a lot of work from home jobs all the time. There are tons of work from home jobs right now. And there is a lot of people that are still able to get a check and commerce that is still able to continue because of broadband. And where there is no broadband, they're going to see a bigger financial hit, a bigger commerce hit in a lot of different ways, a bigger jobs hit because they don't have it. And so I think those people are going to be, they're disadvantaged. They're going to make sure that people understand they're disadvantaged and that 
They're going to push for it even more because, hey, I could have done more. I could have kept my job if I could have had broadband. And so I think the jobs and the financial crisis from that regard are linked together. And broadband is not the answer to everything. You know, even though we're in the broadband business and sometimes we think it is, it's not the answer to everything, but it's, it's highlighted during this unique time in our history that broadband is a link that could have helped fix a lot of different problems. And those that don't have it are at a disadvantage. Totally agree with you, Jonathan. Uh, it's been a great discussion. And thank you, Jonathan, for being our guest. And Jonathan West, CEO of Twin Lakes. And you've been listening to Lead Tennessee Radio, produced by the Tennessee Broadband Association, cooperative and independent companies connecting our state's rural communities and beyond with world-class broadband. Thank you for listening.